Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Uh, One of my favorite pastor jokes, so sorry if you've heard me tell it before, is about a pastor who was an avid golfer. Okay, he played several times every week, but on one particular week, he didn't have time to get out to the links. And uh, so as the, the weekend was approaching, he came up with an idea. He called his associate teaching pastor. Uh, he said, hey, Clayton. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, an emergency has come up this weekend. I can't be in church. Can you cover for me? And Clayton said, sure, uh, I'll preach. And so the pastor got up early Sunday morning, beautiful morning, He drove to a golf course at a neighboring town because he didn't want to be seen by anyone who would know him. And uh, there weren't many people there when he started, so he he played by himself. He came to the fifth hole, a par three. He teed up his ball. He hit his tee shot, landed on the green, rolled toward the cup, and dropped in. It it was the first hole-in-one of his life. He threw his club to the side, and he lifted his hands to the sky. He said, God, I cannot believe this. Here, I thought you would punish me for skipping church to play golf, and you gave me a hole-in-one. And a voice from the clouds came and said, yeah, but who are you going to (laughs) tell? Okay. A poor pastor had something to celebrate, but... He had to keep it to himself. Imagine trying to do that with something you're really excited about. Okay, you got accepted into the college of your choice, or you just learned that you're going to have a baby, you're pregnant, or you got a promotion at work this week, or, you know, the Cubs win the World Series for the second time in 100-plus years. Imagine not being able to make any noise about that, okay? You can't shout, this is amazing. No high-fiving friends, no throwing a party with music and, and dancing. That would be pretty unusual, pretty unnatural, wouldn't it? I mean, we are wired to celebrate the things that bring us joy. In fact, I would dare say that, that as we celebrate, our joy is magnified And if we try to restrain ourselves, the joy diminishes. So today we're going to apply this principle to praising God. Praising God. When the Bible tells us repeatedly that we ought to praise God, it's not because God's got some huge ego that needs to be stroked. It's because God knows that that we will experience the greatest joy in life when we let loose, when we celebrate the most exciting thing in the universe, which is God himself. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 34, okay? Smack dab in the middle of your Bible. We're in the fifth week of a six-part series in the book of Psalms. The series is called Songs of Hope. And the psalm that we're looking at today is kind of a, kind of a YouTube tutorial on praising God. And you probably discovered that YouTube has tutorials on anything you'd want to learn, right? Uh, I, I went to a friend's house last week Uh, He invited me and my grandkids over to swim in his backyard pool. And when I arrived, he was fixing the the pool pump in his garage. And I said, do you you know what you're doing? Like, how did you learn how to do that? And he he answered with one word. He said, YouTube. So whatever you need to learn how to do, YouTube will tell you. Well, this this Psalm 34 is kind of the YouTube tutorial on praising God. It's the who, what, why, when, how 
of praising God, comprehensive. In fact, if we could read Psalm 34 in the original Hebrew, we would discover that this psalm is an acrostic. Uh, there, there, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 verses in this psalm, and that's because every succeeding verse begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's as if the writer is trying to say, here's everything you need to know about praising God, A to Z. A to Z. So let's see what we can learn about God's praise from this psalm because if we aren't praiseful people then then we are missing out on the joy of life's biggest celebration so let's start out with the who okay who gets to praise god and uh, please note that i've said who gets to praise god because praising god is a privilege okay it's it's not a got to it's a gets to it's not a chore it's not a duty So who is it that gets this opportunity to praise God? Well, we go to the author, start with the author of the psalm. He's praising God, and it's David. If you look at at your Bible, right at the top of the psalm, before verse 1, it says, of David. Uh, David wrote 73 out of the 150 psalms. David was a guy who was constantly experiencing God in his life, God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's protection, God's provision. And, And so he just, you know, he had to let loose with some praise. So let me read to you what David says beginning at verse one. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Hey, glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who who fear him and he delivers them. I'm gonna stop right there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, God, for your word. So who gets to praise God? The answer is, you know, people who've discovered a life-changing relationship with God, people who've surrendered to Jesus as Savior and King, people in whose life, lives God is showing up on a regular basis. They, they can't keep it to themselves. You just got to praise God. You remember the story of Jesus traveling into Jerusalem on the back of the donkey? Uh, It's the beginning of Holy Week. At the end of the week, he's going to lay his life down on the cross for us. But this is Palm Sunday, and as he rides into Jerusalem, the crowds are praising him. And you remember how the religious leaders say, Jesus, this is inappropriate. You've got to tell these people to shut up. And Jesus said, if I tell them to stop praising, then the rocks will cry out their praise. This is what the Bible teaches, that all of creation just naturally praises God. The rocks do it, the trees do it, the sky does it, the oceans do it, the mountains do it, the stars do it. But you as a human being, you have a choice. You're going to jump in or not. You're going to participate or, or not. This is kind of a litmus test of whether or not you are truly born again. You've been changed from the inside out. God means everything to you. So the people who praise God are the people who are experiencing God in their daily lives. And and then don't miss this, but you'll want to praise God in community with other Christ followers. You go back to Psalm 34 uh, for a second. I want you to see a pattern here. 
Uh, David goes back and forth in the opening verses between praising God on his own, singular, and inviting others to join him, saying, come on, praise God with me, plural. So we got this pattern of singular, plural, singular, plural. Take a note. Okay, verse 2, I will glory in the Lord. That's David on his own. That's singular. Very next verse, verse 3. Hey, glorify the Lord with me. That is David with others, plural. Verse 4, next verse, I sought the Lord, singular. Verse 5, those, plural, who look to him are radiant. Verse 6, this poor man called, singular. Next verse, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those, plural, who fear him. So what is the subtle point that David is making here? Going back and forth, singular, plural, singular, plural. He's telling us that people who, who praise God sometimes do it on their own, but they also love to gather with other believers and lift up their voices in worship. In fact, praising God with other Christ followers is what fuels their personal worship. It's what energizes their own praise. And th this, this is why I'm going to keep appealing to those of you who are still watching our services online at, at home for your sake, please, you know, please come back to our in-person services at one of Christ Community Church's five campuses as soon as possible because you need, you need the energizing that corporate worship provides. You know, not a week goes by these days where I don't hear from people who are returning for the first time since COVID and they say, I never realized how much I miss this. Yeah. Because we need the corporate body of Christ surrounding us as we lift up our praise to God. That's why David bursts out in verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. This is the who of praise and worship. And, it, you know, it's kind of a litmus test. If you find yourself not entering into the corporate worship, eh, kind of yawn. It's probably an indication that you've never been changed from the inside out, that Christ doesn't have residence in your heart today. How about the what? What is praising God? What does it look like? Well, let's go back to the first three verses of Psalm 34 because uh, David employs six different words in these verses to describe praising God, six synonyms. Must have been using the, th the thesaurus on his laptop, all right? Verse 1. If you got your own Bible in front of you, and this is why you bring a Bible so you could mark it up, circle the words extol and praise. Verse 2, circle the words glory in and rejoice. Verse 3, circle the words glorify and exalt. Now, Bible scholars tell us there's not a whole lot of difference in meaning between these words in the original Hebrew. They all mean pretty much the same thing. They tell us that our job is to brag about God. Our job is to boast. In fact, I love an older English translation of verse 2, the last version of NIV before the newest one came out. Verse 2 says, my soul will boast in the Lord. You know, what is praise? It's bragging about God. Now, I get bragging uh, because I'm a grandpa, and that's what we do, okay? No, no one ever had to teach me to brag about my grandkids. Uh, for example, my seven-year-old granddaughter, Charlotte, she is amazing. Uh, she is just as uh, bright as can be. She devours books, and she recently wrote a movie script. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not making this up. She came up with a story idea, and she assigned character parts, character roles, to every member of the extended family. And then she sat down with pencil and paper, and she wrote out this script and then dictated it to Sue, who captured it on her laptop. Twelve single-spaced pages of script. Did I tell you she's amazing? <laughs> okay, we, we get bragging, don't we? You know, we brag all the time about our kids, about our girlfriend, or our favorite athlete. We brag about people who did something special to us. We brag about our dog. Praising God is bragging about God. And, and not just in general ways, we brag about specifics. You know, occasionally I'll hear somebody pray, and you've heard the line before, God, I just praise you for who you are. I always wonder, well, what does that mean? It's, it's so banally broad, so unspecific, okay, so cliched. Try, how about getting to particulars? You say, well, what particulars? Last week, I gave you two categories of particulars when it comes to praising God. One is God's attributes. There are 250 names, titles, attributes by which God goes in the Bible. We did you the service of putting them all together in a list, and we post it. On our, uh, on our website and on our mobile app. So if you get the mobile app, you'll see an attributes of God uh, function there. You could just tap on that and occasionally take two or three names off that list and just pray them back to God like we did in our worship exercise this morning. Okay, the, the other thing you can do besides praying back these attributes, God's sightings, that's the other category I gave you last week. What has God been up to in your life? How has God shown up? Where have you seen God at work in your life? And if we say, well, I haven't seen God like recently do anything, well, is that because God hasn't done anything in our lives or because we haven't noticed? What do you think? See, we gotta start noticing and then praying it back to God, saying, God, thank you. I praise you for, for this or that. Now, if you want to get better at this, corporate worship every weekend at Christ Community, as I said earlier, will, will help you. It will fuel your personal praise. Our, our worship team chooses praise songs really carefully. We look for songs that have lyrics that are rich in what they teach us about God. We're, we're really kind of choosy about the songs that we sing because we've recognized there are a lot of contemporary worship songs out there that, you know, they're kind of vacuous. There's not a whole lot of content to them. Uh, my my father-in-law didn't surrender his life to Christ until he was 89 years old. So at 89, he starts going to church because now he loves Jesus. And he tells me on one occasion, he says, but I just don't like the songs the worship band sings. And I said, well, what don't you like about them, Dan? He says, well, there's 7-Eleven songs. 7-Eleven. He goes, yeah, seven words repeated 11 times. <laughs> now, now, there's some value on occasion to sing a simple song, but I'll tell you, we we try to choose songs that are rich in lyrical content so that our worship is a learning experience. This is why we sing old hymns on occasion because, oh, they're loaded. I don't know if you know it, but one of the songs we sang earlier today dates back to the 1100s. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote the song, and we sang it today. Believers have been singing it for centuries. This is why occasionally our worship leaders sit down and they compose original songs because we, we want a song that says certain things about God and we can't find a, a song like that out there, so we just write our own. You know, 
learn to brag about God. Just a footnote to this point. Let's let this seep into our conversations with unbelievers. You know, we sometimes shy away from the concept of witnessing or evangelism because we, we imagine it's unloading a bunch of Bible verses on someone and then urging them to repent. Well, you know, there is a place for sharing Bible verses and there is a place for encouraging people to repent and turn to God. But that evangelism begins with just simply bragging about God. In the same way that you nonchalantly drop comments into your conversation about how great your kids are or your pets or the cubs or whatever, you, you start dropping comments into your conversation about God, about how he's shown up in your life recently, about something you really love about God. You get it? Good. That's what praise is. Number three, let's talk about why. Why praise God? And this is... Uh, this is the motivational piece. Because you're not going to up your praise game just because you hear that it's an important thing to do. So why is it important? Why is praising God indispensable to a Christ follower? Let's go back to Psalm 34. I'm going to give you three good reasons. And the first is praising God comforts the afflicted. Praising God comforts the afflicted. Take a look at verse 2. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. You know, when a person is afflicted, whether it's a, a physical ailment or it's an emotional crisis or it's a relational conflict going on in their lives, okay, they, they need to know that God is there, that God is in their corner, that God cares about them, that God loves them. I mean, drop down to verse 18 of this psalm, verse 18 is, uh, is a verse I frequently use with those who are in dire straits, those who are going through difficult circumstances. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It saves, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I just want to remind people, I want to praise God in their midst. So they're reminded of the fact that God is there. He's close to you if you're brokenhearted. He'll save you if you're crushed in spirit. You know, tomorrow we'll be doing this uh, memorial service for Eric Hansen, our missions pastor for 16 years. You know, passes away in a sleep a week and a half ago down in Brazil where he's delivering audio Bibles to a tribe at the headwaters of the Amazon River. Remember back in December, we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to put God's word into the heart language of 25 new people groups so they could hear about Jesus. And Eric was delivering some of these to a tribe in the Amazon region and passed away in his sleep. So we were hanging out with Carol, his wife, a few days later, and she said, hey, can we just get some people together to worship? And so we had seven or eight people crowded into her, her living room and one of our worship leaders with his guitar, and we went on for two hours and it wasn't like happy-go-lucky. I mean, there were times of weeping before God, but oh my goodness, was it rich. Because when your heart is broken, you just need to be reminded of who God is. You know, I asked Carol, I said, Carol, we're gonna do this, this service. What do you want included in the service? And she said, it's just gotta begin with praise and worship. So that's what we'll do starting at 3 p.m. tomorrow. 
we'll sing three or four worship songs because our God is a great God and he cares and he loves us deeply. And that's what you need to be reminded of when going through deep waters. So why, why worship? Why praise? Because it comforts the afflicted. The second reason to do it is because it banishes fear. I want you to go back to the top of this psalm. Before verse one, I want to read the heading to you once again. I read the first part to you some time ago of David. David wrote it. But let me continue. When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. You say, what is the backstory there? Well, here it is. Uh, David wrote this psalm before he ever became king of Israel. In fact, the king at the time was wicked King Saul, who was trying to kill David because of David's popularity. Saul was worried that David would be a rival to his throne. And so he puts out a hit on, on David, and David goes to the only place he figures the assassins will never follow him. He goes to Philistine territory. You see, the Philistines were Israel's hated enemies. So David figures the assassins are not going to follow me there. Only problem is David gets there and he realizes, uh-oh, I'm well known in Philistia. Okay, David was Israel's hero who had killed the Philistine giant Goliath with his slingshot and then cut off his head with Goliath's sword. And he's holding Goliath's sword. He's taking it with him and he's in Philistine uh, country right now and he's going, oh, what was I thinking? And then he gets a summons from Abimelech, the king of the, the Philistines, who says, I want to see you. And David figures, I'm toast. This is it. He's fearful. And so he decides to try a little ruse. He acts insane, like he's out of his mind. He talks crazy. He drools saliva from his beard. And Abimelech takes one look at him, and he goes, get rid of him. He's no threat. And so David retreats to a cave by himself, and this is where he begins to pen the words of Psalm 34. A psalm that says it's important to praise God because praising God banishes fear. Look at verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. In his first inaugural address back in 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uttered a famous line that we all learned in history class in high school. At the time, the United States was in a panic. The Great Depression was going on. And so Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear, finish it with me, but fear itself. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. In other words, fear is debilitating. You know, it will rob you of joy, it will rob you of energy, it will take away your sleep. So how do we combat fear? The psalmist says by praising God, because praising God reminds us that our awesome God has everything under control and that he loves us dearly and that he's watching us every minute of our lives. Banishes fear. Third, why praise God? Because praising God welcomes deliverance, welcomes deliverance. Now, in one sense, FDR was wrong when he said we have nothing to fear but fear himself because actually there are some really very real adversities behind our fears and, and those adversities don't go away just because we're determined not to fear them. I mean, back in 1933, when FDR made his speech, 
You know, nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, guess what? People were without jobs, without money, uh, without food, and there was this growing menace in Europe called Nazism. So there were good reasons to be fearful, and the same is true of your life and mine. It's not just fear that we have to conquer, although that's part of it. We also need deliverance from the very things that are stirring up our fear. Praising God welcomes deliverance. It sets the stage for God to show up and demonstrate his power and his love. This is a repeated theme in Psalm 34. Take a look at verse 6. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him, not just out of his fears, but out of all his troubles, the things behind his fears. Drop down to verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Drop down to verse 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the, the Lord delivers him from them all. Let me tell you an Old Testament story that illustrates this truth that praising God brings deliverance. And you could read the story for yourself sometime. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's about a guy named King Jehoshaphat. Jumping Jehoshaphat, right? So he's king about 100 years after David, and he's basically a good king, but one day he learns that the enemy neighboring countries of Ammon and Moab have mustered a ginormous army and they're marching toward Jerusalem, his capital city. So Jehoshaphat spreads the word, I want everybody in the country to drop to their knees and start praying. And he himself sets the example, he publicly prays and he concludes his prayer with these words. He says, we have no power to face this vast enemy that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, God, but our eyes are on you. You, you ever pray something like that when faced with dire circumstances? Lord, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. Well, guess what God instructed Jehoshaphat to do? It sounds like a really bizarre strategy, but let me read it to you. This is in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 20 and 20, 21 and 22. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab who were invading, and they were defeated. Wow. When we praise God, it welcomes his deliverance. It invites God to show up. So why praise God? Why, why grow in this spiritual exercise of praising God? Because it comforts the afflicted, because it banishes fear, because it welcomes God's presence and deliverance in our lives. Number four, when? When should we praise God? And this one's pretty obvious. Let me reread verse one to you because the when question is answered twice in this single verse. Okay, you get ready to participate here. I'll be calling on you, all right? I will extol the Lord when? At all times. No, that was really weak. Okay, I will extol the Lord. Yeah, at all times. His praise when? Always will be on my lips. At all times, always. Hebrews 13, verse 15 is a good cross-reference to Psalm 34. Uh, listen to this. The writer says, Through Jesus, uh, let us continually, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. 
So you see, it's, it's our tendency to reserve uh, praise for when good stuff happens in our lives. Praise God. You know, David praised God when the bottom was falling out. I mean, let, let me remind you that he wrote Psalm 34, this comprehensive psalm about praising God when he was still on the run from Saul, when his life was still in grave danger, okay, when he was still sitting all by his lonesome in the cave, and yet he stubbornly declared, I will extol God at all times. Okay, his praise will always be on my lips. Try and stop me. <laughs> and then he adds a couple of verses later, verse three. So, so glorify the Lord with me. Come on, let's exalt his name together. You know, may, may, may I challenge you with a counterintuitive thought here. When, when you feel the least like going to church, Okay, that's probably when you need to be in the company of God's people the most. Praising God. Okay, when you feel like staying home, your spiritual battery is dead. You're emotionally exhausted. Your life is, is a mess. You need to go where you'll be surrounded by praising brothers and sisters who will jumpstart your spiritual life. And then throughout the week, you will develop the habit of praising God at all times. When? At all times. Lastly, number five, how do we do this? How do we praise God? Well, so far in our study of Psalm 34, we've been focusing on praising God with our lips, okay, with our lips. But there's another way to praise God, and David covers it thoroughly in this psalm. David challenges us to praise God with our lives. In fact, if we're praising God with our lips, but we're not praising him with our lives, okay, it's, it's like we're singing a song, and we got the lyrics right, but the tune, it's, oh, my goodness, the melody is way out of tune. And so our praise hurts God's ears. So let me know two verbs in Psalm 34 that tell us how to praise God with our lives. And I only have enough time to barely touch on these two verbs. So I'm going to ask you, circle them in your Bible. And before the day's out, okay, before you go to bed tonight, your homework is to read through Psalm 34 a couple of times. And just sit in a quiet place for 10 minutes. Think about each of these verbs I'm going to give you, five minutes apiece, okay? Mull them over. In fact, you may want to start memorizing Psalm 34. I've challenged you uh, earlier in this series to consider memorizing a psalm or two. How about over the summer making Psalm 34 your, your project or your family's Bible memory project? Okay, so what are the two verbs? First one is taste. Okay, drop down to verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. How do we praise God? It's not just with our lips. We, we, we taste God. What does that mean, taste God? Well, 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 Scripture says that it's a revelation of God. As we imbibe it, we begin to experience God in our lives. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, God's word came and I ate them and they brought me joy. They gave me the desires of my heart. Okay, so, so we become Bible readers, ingesters, meditators. We taste. We eat deeply of God, as it were. Now, Here's the problem. Some of us are into snacking. 
Okay, just imagine this, if you would. Uh, one day this week, uh, you, you kind of go overboard on snacking. Maybe you're still stuck doing Zoom meetings for work, okay? So all day you're sitting at your computer and you munch your way through an entire bag of Doritos, a two-pack of Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, maybe a handful or two of beef jerky. I don't know what your junk food, what your comfort food is, but you just insert it right here, all right? And you don't even realize how much junk food you've consumed until later in the day when you remember, oh, I'm supposed to go to a friend's house for a cookout. And so you go over to your friend's house and you find that your friend has been grilling all day and he's got slow-cooked ribs and steaks and burgers and broths. He's got sides like you wouldn't believe. He's got corn on the cob, red beans and rice. What's your favorite side? He's got it. He's got deviled eggs. He's got, you know, whatever. And he's got like three kinds of dessert. And the problem is you're not hungry because you've been snacking all day. Some of you know where I'm going with this analogy. Why aren't you hungry for God's word, this revelation of God? Why are you not ready to taste and see that the Lord is good? Because all day long it's been Facebook, it's been Netflix shows, it's been Instagram, it's been text exchanges, it's been news feeds, it's been all this other junk food that's crowded out. God's word that he wants you to feast on. Taste and see that the Lord is. Don't forget that our mega goal this ministry season at Christ Community Church is Bible every day. Become a person who feeds on God's word. Now, the second verb is the verb fear. And the psalmist in Psalm 34, David talks a lot about the fear of God, what, what it is. Now, he's not talking about that bad kind of fear that he says God banishes from our lives when, when we praise him. He's talking about a good kind of fear. He's talking about the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? I'm not going to tell you that's part of your homework. All right, because I've run out of time, but there's a lot about the fear of the Lord, what it is and what it isn't in Psalm 34. Sit down, read it, digest it, say, I want to walk in the fear of the Lord because that's how I praise God with my life. I warned you at the outset that this is a comprehensive psalm that we were going to cover a lot of ground, and we did. So I'm going to invite you right now. Let's pray together, and we're just going to commit this to the Lord in prayer, what it is we've learned, and ask God to help us make it stick. Lord God, as we bow in your presence, who is it that gets to praise you? It's people who've surrendered their lives to you, and so you're showing up daily. We're, we're, we're seeing you in our lives. We know your love, your provision. We know your grace. We know your forgiveness. And for those who right now recognize there is no warmth in my heart toward God, may this be the moment when they say, I need to turn around, do a, do a 180, and start heading toward God. May they repent of their sin, come to the Savior, say, I want a life that's filled of celebrating God. If he's the most exciting thing in the universe, then my joy is going to be greatest when I'm celebrating him. So God, woo people even now to come to you. You know, what is praise? Praise is bragging about you. I want you right now, as we're quiet before God, think of one thing. We did it earlier in the service, but do it again. Choose an attribute of God. Choose a title by which God goes right now. Choose something you've seen God do in your life this past week. Right now, what is praise? It's bragging about God. Brag to God about God. Right now, give you 30 seconds to do it.
Why praise God? Because it comforts the afflicted. There are people in your life who need to know that God is there, that he's close to the brokenhearted and helps those who are troubled in spirit. Why praise God? Because it banishes fear. What are the anxieties in your life right now that could be banished, could be set to flight if you would just make a practice of praising God, the awesome, sovereign God who's in control of your life? When? Praise God constantly, always. God, right now we ask you to forgive us for being so paltry in our praise. God, to help us to be people for whom praise becomes a, just a constant overflow from our lips. And help our, our lives. How do we praise you? We praise you with our lives as well as our lips. So teach us this week. Give us time to meditate on Psalm 34 and teach us what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good and to fear the Lord, to walk in the fear of the Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.